Hello and welcome to the Joe's Art History Podcast, a podcast which celebrates all things art historical every single day. Welcome back, I am your host Joe McLaughlin and I'm very, very excited to bring to you this week a brilliant episode with Verity Babs who is going to treat us all to an in-depth dive into the works of the prolific street artist Banksy. Verity Babs is an art historian, broadcaster and writer and has a love of Banksy's art and it's, it's very, very evident throughout this conversation just how much Verity admires Banksy's outpour and the messages at the core of what he does. For those of you who may not know, Banksy is a prolific street artist, but let's be honest, he is a total enigma. Banksy in recent years has rewritten the rules for street artists all over the world. And Verity talks us through five of the artist's most iconic works, not only pointing out their importance within the history of art, but the powerful messages within each of the pieces. Banksy is an artist banging the drum for social change, art for all, and more importantly, sticking his middle finger up to those deserving of being brought down a peg or two. And let's be honest, we all know a few of them. In this episode, we talk boats, theme parks, and shopping trolleys in Monet's famous lily pond. It's a brilliant episode. We learn so much about Banksy. It's a great chat. So all that's left to do is sit back and relax as Verity and I discuss Banksy. Quick word of warning before we continue, this episode was recorded during lockdown and as such the audio on my side of things is a little sort of in and out in places. Verity sounds fantastic, absolutely nothing wrong with her audio which is really who you're here for um, but it, on occasion mine sounds a little bit, um, yeah, just not up to the standard that I would hope that it would be but it still doesn't distract from a really great conversation and I hope you enjoy. Can you remember the first time you came across Banksy? <laughs> it make, makes me sound so old being like back in my childhood. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think um, I mean when I was like a young teen and doing like art in school or whatever I think it was a a sort of edgy thing for me to be like all art is rubbish up until Banksy who's like the actual genius and he's blown everything apart and this kind of thing um so I can't remember where I first encountered it but I remember oh, I can't remember exactly what year it was but when Exit Through the Gift Shop came out and I remember watching that and just feeling like this is a big deal you know, even oh, though that exit through the gift shop, I have no idea what that is. Ah, uh, because exit through the gift shop is um, a film made by Banksy about uh, Mr. Brainwash. So basically, in summary, and and spoilers, obviously, <laughs> uh, I think you can do spoilers about films that are ten year, like over ten years old. I think if you I haven't, so. if you haven't seen it by now and it's been spoiled for you, then like that's that's on you. Um, <laughs> the uh, a guy who eventually it ends up being this the artist Mr Brainwash he starts making a documentary about street art and, and Banksy's included in that documentary but everything sort of falls apart and Banksy sort of ends up making a documentary about him instead and it's all about modern street art culture in the US and in France and in, in the UK and it's got this amazing soundtrack and um, 
and it, I guess it's very kind of tied to skater culture and all this kind of thing. And when I was, I, I can't really think of what the date was. I'm actually going to look it up, but um, that felt pretty important to me at the time. And I really loved his work. And um, and then in 2015, when he did Dismaland, and I went and saw that, that was, um, again, I think it was a pretty formative experience. Mm. I have visions of you as this sort of like Avril Lavigne loving sort of skater boy um, teenager here with you saying about your love of street <laughs> art. Is that, um, is that kind of where it came from? Where did your interest in, in Banksy sort of start? Is street art sort of your bag, if you will? Or Yeah, I, th- I think that's interesting. I feel like I really wanted to be like the Avril Lavigne-esque and, and know how to skateboard. Ever- and I definitely had a phase for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I think with street art, I mean, also I grew up in the middle of the countryside, so it wasn't something that was that I was really faced with ever. I remember when I was 16, 17, I was doing an extended an extended project qualification for, for sixth form and we had to pick a topic and, and you write an essay about it and it's sort of the equivalent of an A-level. And you're meant to pick something that interests you um, and... I was like, oh, well, you know, what What do I like? And for some reason, the thing I picked was like, okay, I'm going to do it about castles. I'm going to nice. pick something about castles. So I went to a castle. I went to Kenilworth Castle in Northamptonshire, where I'm from. And I was going around to be like, okay, what do I find interesting enough to write a big essay on? And what I found there was that people had like etched their name into the bricks of this castle since like the 17th century and stuff like that and I love the idea that people have always done that kind of thing so Mm. you know Roman graffiti and that kind of thing and then from there it moved into thinking oh maybe I'll do it about street art and I went on a a street art tour in Shoreditch which was sort of first time I'd ever been to London on my own and it felt very grown up and very cool and we went to Brick Lane and I bought a coat and like (laughs) it sort of felt like street art all boxes ticked (laughs) exactly it sort of felt like street art and that that interest in street art sort of gave me quite a few, quite a few formative experiences in terms of like me being a cool young adult who does this kind of thing. Um, whereas actually, I'm just a nerd who likes castles. Fair enough. I mean, like I'm firmly there with you. I love a good castle. But... <laughs> um, so for people that are listening at home and haven't heard of Banksy, like who who is Banksy and what do we know about him as an artist? Because he's very much contemporary and still making. Mm. So Banksy. Um, the whole Banksy's whole shtick is that he's anonymous, right? And and over the years, people have tried to guess who he is. Last year, people thought he might be um, Neil Buchanan from Art Attack, which I think is brilliant. And it's I re- just amazing. I just, <laughs> I just really want him to be, be Neil Buchanan from Art Attack. Um, but no, so he's his whole thing is being anonymous, and obviously with street art culture, like um, yeah, I guess um, you can be you can be uh, fined for it and that kind of thing. So I guess that's helpful. But what we do know about Banksy is that he is from Bristol and in the 90s, he is like involved in the music scene there. He's involved in the football scene in Bristol. He, We know that he was expelled from school, gets involved in petty crime, things like that. And since starting doing street art, he's basically gone on to do sort of bigger and bigger pranks. Well, I, I guess I'll call them pranks. Um and that's not just in terms of like what he's putting on walls, but you know, he did an exhibition in the USA where he painted an elephant uh, bright pink and everyone kicked off. And, you know, obviously mm. he had the piece that self shredded in, in Christie's. So kind of moving on to bigger and bigger things each time. Um, 
and I guess that's what he's known for. Everyone's sort of w- watching out for what Banksy's going to do next. And the question is whether he's done everything now. Well, that's it. And like you said, like he's always kind of looking to sort of almost sort of level up himself and his own, um, you know, kind of outdo his last sort of big, big thing. And to be honest, when Dismaland happened, I thought there's he can't really ever do anything bigger than that. But there's something we're going to go on to talk about a little bit later in the podcast, which I think completely trumps Dismaland and is just an incredible, incredible thing. Mm. And but before that, when we started talking about the sort of artworks we can talk about with about Banksy, and he's very much associated with street art. But one of the the images that you have sent me, which is really interesting is actually a painting by Banksy called Show Me the Money. So can you just explain to people at home what this is and what the whole concept behind, because it was a series of paintings, was it not? Yeah, so Show Me the Money um, is famously the most expensive, or was at the time the most expensive thing sold as a Banksy at auction. So it sold for seven and a half million pounds. And... I'm not sure whether it was involved in this show, but certainly a lot of Banksy's shows are called things like, um, I can't believe you morons actually buy this shit and, and stuff like that. And and I think that, you know, I love it when Banksy goes for a lot of money because I know people find it controversial and they're like, well, you know, is he a sellout because he used to make street art and now he's selling stuff for loads of money. But I think he gets that it's a joke, right? Like, I think he's kind of in on the joke of the financial side of art. Like he knows that the people who are buying his work Oh, I think when he said about show me the Monet is that actually the kind of people who are most damaging to society are exactly the kind of people who buy my art and just like put it in a vault for years. But yeah, show me the Monet uh, sold at auction. And I think it's a brilliant piece. And one of the things that people ask a lot about Banksy is and something that we can't ever prove is like, did he paint it? This kind of thing. Um, He recently did, you know, the picture with... um the House of Commons, but it's all full of monkeys. A lot of people were like, yes. that's too good a painting. Banksy probably didn't do it. And then there was a question of whether this other guy did it. Uh, and and I sort of don't care. It's, it's interesting. I sort of, the the idea of authenticity with Banksy is something I sort of don't care about. I just, I just love it. Like, I think he has the right attitude when it comes to the art world in terms of like, he sees right through it and show me the Monet with these uh, shopping trolleys sinking underneath uh, the bridge where Monet famously painted lots of his his lily pads, and and you know a, a traffic cone coming out of the water. I think that Banksy puts his middle finger up to the right people every time. Yeah. I think I think he's got a good eye for who who he should be um <laughs> who he should be flipping a birdie at. <laughs> no, absolutely, and um, it, it's so interesting. Like you said, like it's all it's this sort of poking fun at what is considered an artwork and and the sort of people that can afford to to buy these sorts of things mm. because this was in an exhibition I think it was around about 2005 where he essentially took some of the most iconic pieces within the history of art sort of like Van Gogh's sunflowers for example and essentially showed an empty vase or he took Warhol's Marilyn Monroe and turned it into Kate Moss mm. but what I found really interesting about this exhibition and something that I spoke with someone a few days ago actually I've got a, another podcast coming out about um, the use of animals in contemporary art so it's really funny that you've mentioned the pink the elephant that he painted and caused this uproar mm. because in this exhibition where he first showed show me the money um, he also placed 164 live rats in and amongst the exhibition and in order to even get in you had to be okay with being in this gallery space with all these rats 
running mm. around and then in Sotheby's where this painting sold and I'll leave a link in the description there's a really brilliant like news segment on it and the presenter is like genuinely terrified being in this gallery <sighs> with all these sort of sleeping rats around her he loves a shock I think it's fair to say yeah for sure I think one of his biggest shocks though came in the form of this melange which I am very jealous that you managed <laughs> to get <laughs> yeah I know it was um in this 2015 but I remember they were announcing that it was happening but that there was something online where you couldn't get tickets until like tickets online were not being released until the, you know the, the Monday of that week or something even though it opened mm. on the Friday and me and my parents said well actually it's not that far a drive to get to Western Supermare uh why don't we just like try our luck because people wouldn't have already got their tickets I'm, I'm, I'm sure mm. I'm, people would much rather have got a ticket and wait in line knowing they were going to get in. So we thought, well, well, we'll risk it. And we got there and they're, you know, half an hour queue or something. But you hear stories of people after having got their tickets waiting for something like eight or nine hours to, to get in. So mm. we really timed it well. It was brilliant. Um, but no, it was um, properly formative. I think that'll, that'll stay on the highlights reel of my life, I'm sure. <laughs> so I only know one other person that managed to get tickets and they drove from London with their dad at like... 11 o'clock on a Wednesday morning and she said that's the only reason that they managed to get tickets but for people listening what was Dismaland what was Banksy's Dismaland? Banksy basically um, took over an abandoned Lido in uh, Western Supermare and he built and his team obviously built a sort of dilapidated version of Disneyland where you, there are a lot of sculptures of you know your Disney characters. So at the entrance, there's Ariel from The Little Mermaid, but I think she's um she's sort of cut up and and there's oil around her and stuff like that. And one of the rooms inside this castle is um is a carriage crash with Cinderella having fallen out of the out of her carriage and the horses are on the floor and there's flashing lights and it's all like the journal like the journos are. <laughs> are around to taking pictures for the morning press and stuff like that so it's all it's a you know a dark twist on things but there were other parts around the the area of i don't know i'm just trying to call it an arena i'm not sure what to call it really <laughs> but around around Disneyland, and there was a gallery with an exhibition of, of brilliant contemporary artists doing not things in a similar vein to banksy necessarily but doing things that had the same kind of impact as banksy does in terms of um it's not commercial art that you'd, you'd put up in a hotel it's um it's saying something and so there's a, there's an exhibition there and there are there are attendants walking around like they would be at Dis uh, Dis Disneyland but they're absolutely fucking horrible <laughs> they're all <laughs> miserable and shouting at you and, and obviously hate being there and are absolute dicks the whole time <laughs> and uh, uh to add to part of this kind of performance element to the whole thing and um and yeah there are lots of sculptures and i think that there were days where they had music and bands and things playing as well but but yeah and it was perfect so the day that we went it was also pissing down with rain <laughs> and gray and horrible and um and yeah it's really set in the scene <laughs> yeah exactly and um i know everyone thinks that you know, you, you, you're basically a sellout as soon as you're selling T-shirts, but I did definitely buy a, a Disneyland T-shirt for sure. <laughs> well, I was going to say, was there not? I was reading, um, there's a really great Guardian article, actually. I mean, it's more of like a visual article than what it is sort of written. There's some really great images in it. 
but one of the things was that they show the gift shop and that he was selling like kits to break into bus shelter advertisement boards yeah um so there were other people there or like other stations around the place which had different charities and um activist groups sort of manning stuff there so there were lots of um you could get stickers and allen keys and stuff like you say for opening up bus adverts and stuff about the you know the violence within the met and and things like that so that was actually really interesting that i think Baxter does a good job at uh, elevating proper issues and uh Dismaland was no different he, he really gave a space to um other activists and other other groups which i thought was really good Mm, and he's really sort of um he, he's really not shy to sort of poke fun at, at things particularly in the british media and things that have caught headlines very recently one of them for example is he, I, don't, I don't know if it's banksy himself that's done that or it's one of the, a different artist but there was the whole scandal around horse meat in the british press at the time and on the carousel that's there because these rides you, you can go in and sit on these rides but on, on the carousel one of these images that i found is um, someone in a essentially like a butcher's outfit mm. and he's like hung up one of the carousel horses and this was sort of poking fun at the time I think it was Tesco and Asda in the UK um, which for people that aren't listening from the UK that's huge big supermarkets that we have here and there was a scandal where they had found traces of horse meat in the frozen ready meal lasagnas and it was a huge huge big scandal more importantly however was this um refugee boat I don't know was it was it one of these things where you put money in and you could essentially could you move the the boats to try yeah. and rescue migrants yeah I can't the... I can't remember exactly whether it was whether you had the option to control it but it was like um a lot of things there were like you would get at a fairground uh, like a traditional uh you know UK fairground of you know uh hooker duck and things like that but in this one there was sort of a, a pond with remote control boats in, which had figurines of, of migrants in the boat and somewhere outside of the boat. And I, I, I can't remember whether you could drive them yourself, but this boat was certainly moving around in this. Uh, it was an exhibition, if we're going to call it that, or an event or a, or a sort of movement. I'm, I'm not really sure what to call it, but mm. that everything that was going on at the time really felt like it got encapsulated in what Disneyland was about and everything everything was covered you know um like you say the horse meat scandal but then also sort of darker things I'm sure that a lot of people would view <laughs> view the horse meat and the lasagna as pretty dark but you know properly mm. you know proper hard stuff proper root, yeah absolutely um he included some incredible works by very sort of well-known sort of worldwide international mm contemporary artists Damien Harsh, Jenny Holzer for example I mean how was it displayed did people know what they were looking at was it displayed like a gallery or was it very much I, I don't know like yeah yeah it was it was a sort of a separate building um away from the main kind of uh, sculptures and things like that and you and you went in and it sort of was hung like a gallery um and it was yeah, things were up on the wall. There were some sculptures. There was a sculpture of I can't I can't remember the artist now, but it's something that really impacted me. It was a, it was a car that was sort of in disrepair, but they'd done like th- huge thick embroidery into the car, which was oh. really interesting. But again, it's hard to remember these things because what 2015, I was 17, so yeah, <laughs> trying to remember what things were, a lot going what, on, what was actually happening. Um, but but that was really 
brilliant and very helpful to me doing my art A level at the time. And you have to do some some analytical work about artists. So that was brilliant for me to just go and look at stuff and go, oh, cool, I haven't ever heard of them before. And, you know, introduce me more to Jenny Holzer, like you say, introduce me more to these other artists that were brilliant. But it was a hugely impactful exhibition just like on its own. And um, it's very surreal because obviously it's this this huge thing that will kind of go down in in art history that I was there for a couple of hours with my parents (laughs) on a rainy day. Yeah, and it's just, and it's in this sort of, you know, seaside town, sort of south of Bristol in England. And I mean, it kind of very much, I I mean, not to say anything bad about Wayson to Premier, it's kind of one of these sort of, seaside towns of the past almost yeah. and, um, it's, and it's where it's it's Banksy's neck of the woods as well oh. um yeah this this rundown Lido that gets taken up again but you know it's a, a western supermare in places like that or you know anywhere you think in Bournemouth or 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 English seaside towns are mostly grey and mostly mm. um, you know they're not so, sandy beaches for relaxing they're normally um <laughs> pretty pretty tough and yeah, absolutely. yeah you, you always think of the sort of Victorian times as everyone as this sort of really yeah sort of their heyday has long since gone yeah they've got yeah. the glamour of it being a really big deal that they've got electric lights and things like that and and yeah. and the illuminations <laughs> and thing and and things but English seaside towns are often um have not been looked after properly in terms of um funding and stuff like that so they're often left as yeah uh brilliant places to do exhibitions but um <laughs> uh I'm sure that you know, the economies of these places would much rather have been looked after properly rather than getting a one-off hit of um, tourism from Banksy, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's really funny because going back to the whole um, idea of, of Banksy, he's he's also very much an activist as well as an artist. He's very in tune and he uses his art to really sort of hit home and uh, uh, not just issues in the press, but also very important um, sort of social issues as well such as migration and war and even something like Disneyland for example so we're, I know we're talking there a wee bit about you know the economy of Western Supermare so for example that what I read in an article was that six weeks that this exhibition was on for mm. it pumped something like 20 million into the local economy because people were staying in the hotels and eating at the restaurants and all sorts of things so that in itself is incredible but when everything was taken down he then sent all the, nothing was wasted, all the sort of things that were used to, to build the sort of interiors of Disneyland, for example, were all then sent to refugee camps. Yeah, a lot of it went to Calais. Um, yeah, to sort of help build shelters and actually part of it also built a, a playground in Calais that mm-hmm. I read. So like he's he's someone who, like you said, he knows who to stick the middle finger up to in the correct way, but also he's very aware of, you know, sort of uses the privilege of where he is to help. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's one of the things that does give Banksy such an appeal is that regardless of what you think of his work or his techniques or regardless of what you think about street art in terms of, I guess, public property law or whatever, I don't know, I'm not a lawyer, um, mm. that you, you can't help but sort of give him a clap for for why he's doing the things he's doing and where a lot of the money goes and where, you know, what is the driving force behind a lot of his projects, um, stuff he's done on, on, you know, the, the 
borders of war-torn countries and 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 things like that I think are you know very admirable yeah well that's it because he famously set up um a hotel and was it Bethlehem or that he set up a, a hotel Gaza Stru- the, the Gaza Strip the... wasn't it I'm not Gaza sure Strip. I'm gonna look yeah. up now though <laughs> is it called the war the war Dolph hotel something like that as a play on the, the war Dolph. yeah it was yeah it was the walled off hotel um the wall- yeah. Uh, with the uh, famously called the worst view in the world for the hotel, but um, but yeah, I think that the he, yeah, like he he's got the right ammo, mm. and I think that kind of leads us quite nicely on to one of the other other images that you've sent us. So I I actually hadn't seen this one, um, the French embassy. Ah, uh, yeah, that you had sent me. So i mean could you want to describe it for people yeah so home? basically banksy uh one of banksy's poster works so in street art you can either you use spray paint some people use kind of stamps but some people do um posters or pr- printouts that you you paste up and this is one of his paste up pieces and it's of a sort of a pastiche of the little girl that you'll see in the original designs for les miserables Mm. and she's crying and there's a qr code which i think is the important bit of this piece it was on the french embassy and at the time there's a big scandal of violence being used within the french military i think it was against protesters you must forgive me if that's incorrect mm. and the qr code took you straight to a video of um of these kind of atrocities happening against against civilians and against refugees and that was where i thought it was really important i think that was a particular move for Banksy towards digital work or work that engaged with yeah. the digital because at that point as well QR codes were still quite an exciting thing that seemed pretty um not like miraculous but yeah exactly Revolutionary. Like it, it was it was a way yeah. that work could go beyond what it was doing you know um so mm. that's why I picked that work to send over to you because I think that that was one of the examples where you know as an artist who started doing things in the early noughties late 90s he's kept up with the times like he's not still talking about the same issues but he's also not using the same materials either yeah i also think so what blew me away like you said is that qr code and it's almost like it's letting people see the evidence for themselves because you know you you can sort of spray paint something on a wall and people be like oh yeah sure whatever where's the evidence but it's actively encouraging people to to not only just educate themselves but like see the proof and engage and potentially do something yeah definitely and I think that that was a big thing for me in terms of I I guess that the things that are important to you have to be done across different things I don't it's hard to explain but there's a difference between Banksy Mm -hmm. do like you say doing a piece about isn't it really bad that um, the police mistreat people and it's very different for him to say isn't it bad the police mistreat people look at them mistreating people um and i think Mm. that that is something that you know we all know the impact of social media and the news we've got access to everything that's happening around the world 24 7 and um i think the banksy caught up with that like the impact of that and um having access to the things that were previously secret or whatever Um, well that's it and i also think he's just is so clever to use because this this was outside the French embassy in London that this was that this appeared in 2016 and I just think it's really clever to use something as instantly recognizable as the Les Miserables I don't know sort yeah. of cover art that is known globally and you know you don't need 
any writing there. Like it's just so, I don't know, it's just a part of everyone's culture. It's this huge cultural thing that it's such a white, you know, not just a musical, but a movie and a, a really incredible book by uh, Victor Hugo. You see this and you know what it is. So it kind of also breaks down that thing where you, you might not feel like you understand what it's what it's about. You know, it's something to do with French culture and yeah poverty and I think that's rebellion. something that Banksy does excellently though um is access like accessibility to his works and and yeah. even works that aren't out on the street for people to see he is never using visual cues that you need to have got a degree in art history to know what it's about like art is full of people referencing an artist who came before them who's referencing an artist who became before them and if you don't understand the reference of whatever then you're then you don't get it and that kind of snobbery within art whereas everything that Banksy does you know we know that that's a Monet and we and but but he's chosen Monet and it, like you, you say he chose Van Gogh and he, and he chooses these big hitters because that is a reference that we we get and he's chosen the little girl from mm. Les Miserables and he's chosen, um, you know, he's chosen Disney and he's chosen um, the, the idea of the elephant in the room and, and Guantanamo Bay when he did a blow up doll in um, in Disneyland, Florida. And he chooses these references that people get. I think that's the thing of, of every artist I've ever spoken to anyone about. Banks, he might be the only person that someone hasn't said, I just don't get it. Like we, we get it. Yeah. And that's a really, yeah. And that's so important. And it's that. I wonder if I, I, perhaps that's part of his success as well, as well as sort of poking fun at things. And, and he does it at a, a sort of, not a ground level way, but on, a, on an equal playing field is a better way to say it. It's an equal playing field for everyone to understand. You don't have to have your, you know, top education from the best university going. You know, you could be from a council estate and you, you can still understand what these images are and what I think that's do. the thing is, is that Banksy isn't making art for the kind of people who buy his art. And I think he knows that. Like he's not making art for the kind of people who buy a piece of art for seven point five million pounds. He's making art that mocks those people. He's making art that is for everyone and is for you know. I think that street art is a brilliant medium because I think that it's really important that there are ways to access art that aren't going into the gallery space because I I think that yeah. people say, well, you know, the gallery's free, so it's accessible. So well, that's not that's not really what that means you know if if the gallery remains an, a space that we all associate with uh white walls and white artists and and um and mm. uh, language we don't understand very deep exactly language yeah. you don't understand mm -hmm. and references we don't understand then even if it's free why would i want to go in there and that's why i think that street art and well, banksy yeah. having stuff online and and referencing referencing people we know and things we know is um uh, you know, the importance of that I don't think can be understated well that's it and even something like Dismaland it was only something like two or three pounds mm -hmm. to get in there which I just think which I think is amazing and all that money went into sort of other projects but something as important as you know like you said street art is such a great way to engage with the many from this sort of something that you and I both champion sort of breaking down the elitism within art history but also within galleries as well because you can say to someone till you're blue in the face but these big you know these big gallery spaces are free but they're also in incredibly intimidating mm -hmm. buildings that sometimes you have to even buzz to get into 
And that's really intimidating when you already don't feel like you tick all the boxes of people in a space that you don't, you feel like you don't belong. And whereas Banksy doing this and sort of bringing it to the people is a really great, you know, way to hit at home that you are completely part of this narrative just as much as everyone else is. Yeah, completely. And and, and sort of my two big art heroes I guess when I was a teenager and now probably if you were to ask me who my two favorite artists are it'd be Banksy and Hearst and I think that Hearst has more conceptual stuff going on in terms of you know people don't get what Hearst is doing and that's not a complaint that Banksy Mm. gets but I found it so refreshing that both of them do stuff that's like against the tradition of I've done a hundred lovely paintings and they're all going to be hung up in this white wall gallery and and that's where that ends. You know, I think that both of them have interesting dialogues about sort of the, the anarchicness of them is something that really appealed to me and continues to do so. What I also think is really important to remind people that are listening that in the UK, graffiti is illegal. If you are caught graffitiing, it is a, you, you can be criminally prosecuted. You can spend time in prison. You're also fined. And I think that's also another thing that's great about Banksy is this his complete defiance mm. of everything. Although... I don't, I mean, I don't know if, if he's ever been caught by a police officer. I mean, do you, has that ever been sort of recorded anywhere that he's been caught? I mean, I reckon that he or... will have been early early days, you know, before he was Banksy. I, I remember when I was going on this street art tour in, in Shoreditch and uh, and we went through all the things. And, and Shoreditch is now famous for its, you know, Brick Lane and, and all of the street art that is in East London. And that's sort of its its big thing now. But I remember going on this tour and seeing all this amazing art that I thought, like, isn't this bloody brilliant? That this is, you can just see this on your walk. But I remember mm. we got to the end and we got to a bar, sort of outside bar where there was some original Banksy's, which were covered in um, in um, bulletproof glass, which, yeah, there's, pl- no. there's plenty of places where Banksy's, like original Banksy's have been found and, and covered up with perspex so that they're not defaced and it's really interesting that that's sort of come about there's a there's a brilliant there's a really beautiful piece of street art at the end of my road uh, you know really, really, they're really quite uh you know elegant uh, outline drawing and I, I used to love it and then a couple mm-hmm. of weeks ago someone's done another thing next to it which i which i don't like and i feel outraged but then i'm like well that's the point isn't it <laughs> like uh it's for everyone yet. I can't be annoyed <laughs> this bit, this bit of graffiti has been covered up with another bit of graffiti given that that's the nature of the art form right like and again that goes back to the original street art being done in in Harlem and in Brooklyn of of it being a territorial thing of you know you'd you'd write your name on something and someone would write over it and that there's a kind of gang warfare but but Banksy's are often yeah. protected or, or prized off walls there was a guy who uh, saw a Banksy in Brighton I think and he and he prized the the bit of wall out of this wall, and he went on to um, Antiques Roadshow last year with this piece of artwork, and basically got a telling off because Banksy has this website called Pest Control, and that's the only website where you can get um, a piece of Banksy's artwork authorized. Like if you think you've got a Banksy, you go through this website, and that's where you get a certificate of authenticity. And if you haven't got that, then um, then it's it's basically worthless. And um, and Banksy often denounces works 
that are his, but people have prized off public walls because he think that's obviously a terrible thing to do. Uh, so he often says that, no, that wasn't me in the first place. But yeah, this guy came on with a piece of artwork that he'd stolen from the public, basically, and got a got a wrist slap <laughs> on um, on television and looked like an absolute mug. But um, but yeah, because he hadn't got this this certificate and had obviously just, you know, he deprived people of, of public artwork, which is... Um, uh, Hang him, I say. <laughs> I think it's just classic opportunist. So, you know, perhaps I'll wait to make a quick buck or t- or have a good story. But yeah, and it, it happens constantly. But it's always this thing where whenever a new Banksy is unveiled or discovered, rather, should we say, it makes news headlines mm. all over the world. It's this really exciting thing that happens. But really funny that you mentioned the whole idea of him sort of denouncing um artworks because there was one that you sent me and we mentioned very briefly this whole idea around who who is Banksy nobody knows there's there's certain theories and the most recent one I I actually thought this happened in like 2019 and that just shows you how long 2020 actually was that this only happened three months ago and I was like (laughs) I can't I thought this was years ago this happened and it's the whole idea that he um this theory that essentially like imploded on the internet that he was the children's tv presenter yeah. called neil Bit buchanan Banksy is neil buchanan <laughs> i won't hear any otherwise i won't hear anything different i oh right <laughs> so for the our non-uk listeners who or even our listeners that perhaps are you know weren't born sort of 90s early noughties um neil buchanan is this iconic <laughs> He deserves a knighthood, in my opinion. He is amazing. He is a children's TV presenter. And he used to do this amazing program. One of his amazing programs was called Art Attack. And um, essentially, he used to make all this incredible art. And he had this. Do you remember yeah, the talking freaking. head? <laughs> freaking. This um, sort of marble talking head. But it was a puppet. Yeah, so you sent me this. And do you want to just explain what yeah, it is on so the side of a wall? This is, um in Northampton, which is my uh, my hometown. And uh, this appeared during the week where it was kind of um, top Twitter news or whatever that, that people were saying that Neil Buchanan is Banksy. And it's on a wall and um, and it's basically a picture of Neil, <laughs> Neil Buchanan <laughs> um, holding up <laughs> Uh, the decapitated head of one of Banksy's sort of signature monkeys and it says art attack question mark over the top of it and it's on the side of someone's shed basically <laughs> and and yeah it's not been it's, it's just... not been certified as a Banksy it says Banksy at the bottom of it but uh, either way I think it's brilliant but uh, people absolutely love it when Banksy goes to their town <laughs> like it's a huge honour yeah. um, to let him come and uh, you know ruin your shed <laughs> Well, that's it. I mean, I remember, was it? Well, this might have been twenty twenty as well. My whole sort of, you know, timeline yeah. has been skewed. I think it might have been two thousand and eighteen, two thousand and nineteen, where he was on the side of a shed in Wales somewhere. It was like someone, it was a wee one, um, and there was a dumpster fire, like a like a big tra- trash can fire, and he was sort of like eating the ashes from it as if it was snowing. Was uh, that? Was yeah. either two thousand eighteen, two thousand maybe? It, Probably could, could have been last week, for all I know. I am so my timeline is yeah, for sure. gone. But what's really interesting, like you said, is that um the gentleman whose garage this appeared on when he went on to pest control Banksy's sort of Banksy's site that sort of authenticates mm. his works, and they mm. said it wasn't a Banksy. Yeah, it was it was heartbreaking news for the people of Northampton. Uh, <laughs> but I think that also 
the fact that now this artwork exists is a good thing, you know? Uh, or I like the fact that people are pastiching Banksy to the extent where, like, this is a well-thought-through piece, right? Like, the person has thought, what are the telltale signs mm. of a Banksy? They've got his old signature they used to use as a stencil and and this monkey and and it's all stylistically it could be a Banksy if it turned out to be a Banksy you wouldn't be surprised at all and I quite like the fact that someone's mm. thought that through that much and has made a piece of art that I think is very very valuable um conceptually and and I think it's great and street art perhaps more than any art reacts really quickly to current affairs and to what's mm. important to people at the time I mean uh conceptual artists you know, contemporary artists do react to things, but potentially in a more abstract way. And, you know, it'll take them a couple of years to get together all the paintings for the exhibition they're making about this issue, where a street art goes straight out and says it. Well, that's it. And that's why it's so important. But it's also, it also kind of toes the line between this permanent and yet can be taken away at any at any moment. You know, there's nothing to say that the guy that owns this, you know, this brick wall is like, well, it's not a bank sale, let's get the paint out. Do you know what I mean? And then it could be gone forever. I mean, I, I think he would be an absolute <laughs> fool to do that and I don't think he has. But it's, it, you're right, it's so important. And it's, you know, it's even if it isn't a bank sale, like they say, it is, it's a homage and a really great, a, a really great way of showing how important, like you said, street art is and how mm. quick it reacts to things. And it's a really great sort of snapshot of a moment in time also when the world was falling apart but I was really enjoying sort of reading about this and Neil Buchanan had to come out and say like his website had crashed because he had so many people like emailing the website to be like are you Banksy? <laughs> I just I just really want Neil Buchanan to be Banksy. I feel like for a lot of people Banksy's Neil, Neil Buchanan thing was a, was a week in 2020 whereas now I feel like that's my life cause. <laughs> to prove well that well that's oh my gosh are you going <laughs> to you'll write the book on how you sort of step by step worked it out I'm, I'm loving these like conspiracy sort of fan theory things about because he was in a band and whenever his band has played at this place a few weeks later a Banksy magically appears it's just so good and, and the thing it's is so there good. are people who know and, who Banksy is you know, and yeah and I think that that's brilliant that people still don't know and that there will be something lost when people do know who Banksy is like his career is built around this anonymity and I think that once there is a a face to the name that that will sort of be the end and, and I said before you know how can he go bigger with these pranks, you know, after shredding that piece at Christie's? Where does it end? And I think the thing is with Banksy is that it only ends when we know who he is. Mm, well, that's it, you know, when he firmly sort of retires and, you know, has the big reveal, essentially. And I wonder, you know, if if he will ever do that. I mean, artists don't ever really retire, but yeah, it would be, it would be a day in the history books if he does eventually reveal who he is. Of course, again, there's also... You know, if you Google, like I did, you know, researching for this podcast, do we know who Banksy is? There is a name sort of floating about out there that they think it's this person. And when you Google Banksy, for example, and you always have that sort of quick snapshot of, you know, where they were born, you know, their dates, where they were active, where they trained, how many kids they have. And then if they have a wife or a spouse or and they're apparently they seem to think this woman is married to Banksy. Mm. So it's really interesting that they seem to think that it's this essentially old like used to be like a painter and decorator or something like that I don't know but 
even if you did think it was even if it wasn't you and you were pinned on it like it's it's hilarious even just to go along with it just to be like oh yeah sure yeah. I'm fancy whatever that was... it's just so interesting that he's created this yeah us. exactly I, I remember when I was doing this street art tour um there was a piece of work someone had done like a massive wall piece and at the bottom there was a tally tally chart of like seven or eight tallies in it and the guy doing the tour told us that a lot of the time artists will do a tally chart for every time that they're asked if they're Banksy while they're doing the piece um so people make a tally of like seven times while I was making this piece people ask me if I was Banksy and I think that's funny I don't know whether it's true or not but I think it's funny oh I love that but I also love that people get really excited and 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 want to come up and and like interact (laughs) with the artist as well while they're making just to like be the person that's like I know who Banksy is <laughs> oh yeah exactly or like if, if someone saw Banksy so... doing something they said are you Banksy would Banksy say yeah I'm Banksy probably not <laughs> well that's just be like nah yeah. just I'm a big fan though <laughs> um so I think moving on to the one of the, the the last um work that you sent me I mean I mean is it a work in itself who knows you know we spoke earlier about you know could he really sort of outdo Dismaland and you know how does he go sort of bigger and better from here but in 2020 I think he's completely outdid mm. himself and do you want to explain to people what this uh what this last project that he's been working yeah, on so and is currently the, going the Louise Michelle is. is a boat that is funded I'm not sure fully or partially by Banksy at least um which has a mission to basically um it's a rescue boat for migrants trapped at sea uh in the mediterranean and louise michelle was a um really important member of the the paris commune uh a famous uh famous anarchist and um yeah this rescue boat um has saved hundreds of lives and uh, on the boat it's got um a couple of banksy pieces spray painted painted onto the side and um and yeah i think that that's an example of i guess banksy doing good with his work but but also um i don't know i think that if he'd put more of his work on it it could have looked like a stunt there's a couple of pieces yeah um, his little girl who normally holds the um, red balloon is holding a a life support ring like you know the you throw it into the water I'm not sure what they're called but mm. holding one of those which is in the shape of a heart and it's um and and I think that he's added these you know these touches to it but I don't think that he's you know he's not uh capitalizing on on the issue I think that it's a it's a really nice thing that he's done um like you said partly or and all funded this boat and it was after the the attention of this German scientist came to his attention and essentially the boat that she was using to pick up migrants in the Mediterranean had been essentially impounded and she was facing uh, an incredibly huge fine by the Italian authorities because essentially migrants try to come in through sort of Malta Mm. and Italy that's what's considered the gateway into Europe and um, what so Banksy read about this and because she started this essentially because not all distress calls are answered. Some are, compl- are are just left to essentially die on the water. And there's a sort of merchant's code that she's trying to, uh, not a merchant's, a sort of Navy code that she's trying to uphold. And essentially Banksy read about this and sort of reached out and said, 
can, can I help by sort of funding a new boat? And she actually thought, because the email was so casual, um, and, he, and he literally just said in the email, oh, I'm an artist from Britain and I've done a few things mm. to raise some money. Can I send you this money to buy a new boat? And she thought it was so casual. She thought it was a joke to begin with. But she did, they didn't, they didn't um, advertise it. It was very all hush-hush. Yeah. Until it had launched, because essentially they were they were worried it would it would attract too much attention, and um, it actually the boat has its own website, which is really interesting. And hold on, I've got a, there's a really nice um, boat. This is where I can't find the tab. Here we go. I've got it. So it says our mission to uphold maritime law and rescue anyone in peril without prejudice. We on board the Louise Michelle believe we are all individuals. Na- nationality should not make a difference. To what rights one has and how we treat each other. We answer the SOS call of all those in distress, not just to save their souls, mm. but to save our own. And it's a really incredible, like powerful thing. On their first mission, they had issues and essentially they took on too many migrants that had sent out distress calls and essentially they, they then, the ship had to then get help because it, they had too many people on board that it couldn't move essentially what I really like about this is that like you said you know it's not this big publicity stunt it was done very much under the radar and there's references to Banksy but he's very much just sort of like here's how I can help yeah exactly and and we know that Banksy has a good track record of of defending things and people who need defending like having something gifted by Banksy uh, as part of this kind of uh, as this rescue mission doesn't feel tasteless whereas there are other artists i feel like if they donated a whole load of money you'd sort of feel a bit dirty from it you know um and Mm. yeah i think i think that it's i think it's brilliant and i think that from the get-go even if it's not been for a direct um activist cause he's talking about the things that need to be spoken about you know In in a way that means that everyone can engage in the conversation because you know the way that politicians speak and the way that uh, art galleries speak and the way that, um, yeah, uh, policymakers speak is not the the language of the people, you know. Well, that's it. And it's, it's, you know, it's about what is important, you know, it's people helping others in needs. And I think Banksy, like you said, he's, that's really at the core of, of what he tries to do. He tries to, you know, raise the attention of, of things that perhaps have gone under the radar or are, you know, they're, they're not, pushed or seen as a priority in the modern day press you know because why would we talk about a migrant crisis when it's hilarious to poke fun at how ridiculous Boris Johnson is you know like things that are some completely Mm. out of whack in the UK and I think yeah I think this was a really a really great thing to um to include so thank you so much because I I I would not have thought of including this as as a a work almost from Banksy or, or, or as a talking point but I think that also reflects purely on what's also on on my radar as well or, or what I consider but it's um yeah so I think it's a really really important and anyone listening that hasn't heard of this I'll leave a link to uh to the boat's website and also a really great article about um how it came about but um it's also currently blocked yeah, from leaving port it's, um it's in a bit of a yeah it's a, it's a complicated situation with any, with anything like this and that's the that's mm. the problem isn't it of um it, it's often much harder legislatively to do good things than it is to do um do bad things <laughs> it's a lot easier a lot easier to get away with not paying yeah, tax than it is which... to um to save lives on the on, on at sea but there we go yeah which is a, a very very uh grim note indeed but 
it's a really really important thing that he's done here and and that he continues to do and i can only imagine what i mean he continued to make headlines throughout 2020 though when he did like you said bar the the, the neil buchanan thing you know out with that he also did a lot of um graffiti in his in his house i remember like he posted on his instagram page about all my yeah my wife that was great the rats the, all of the rats and in his was... bathroom <laughs> and um he did a a massive piece in a london tube train uh about wearing about uh, early days yeah, so of, the, of the pandemic about wearing a mask and um yeah he basically him and and i think one other person from his team dressed as cleaners for also heavy duty duty cleaners for these tube trains and did this piece and then and then left but um uh, the uh, london transport folk got rid of it uh, because they assumed it was just normal graffiti, you know. But um, I bet they wished that they'd um, <laughs> covered that in Perspex as well, you know. Oh, I know. Can you imagine? Or even, like, that would have been such a brilliant piece to, like, have in, like, the Museum of Transport, for example. Yeah, I think they, they'd have draw people cut in. that train up, for sure. Definitely, definitely. But um, I read with that um, that it was because of their, uh, their strict no... Oh, my God. What was it? Yes, their strict mm. no vandalism policy or no graffiti policy and that's why they got rid of it which i think is yeah absolutely bonkers uh they must have been well, kicking that's the themselves thing of, when they realized policies are, are fine when they work for everyone i guess you know the thing is that if you saw banksy or someone who you thought might be banksy doing an artwork on the side of a side of a train tunnel or whatever um you'd probably leave them to it but imagine if you know if that same person was like a young black bloke they'd, they'd mm. have the cops called on them and uh and they'd be more likely to be fined and things yeah. like that so it's really interesting banksy has a case study of what we find acceptable when uh when white blokes do it <laughs> you know um we yeah we view the, the mm. graffiti and tagging done on trains in in harlem as as vandalism uh, but we view Banksy's works as works of art and we view works done by um, other sort of famous street artists. I don't think you'd call um, you people who do graffiti as tagging. So tagging is just, you know, writing your name or writing your tag or, you know, or, or whatever as vandalism. But suddenly it becomes art when when the right kind of person is doing it, you know. Well, that's it. And when it, when a name or a brand, if you will, the, you know, the brand of Banksy um yeah it's so so interesting I think that's a a completely different <laughs> podcast episode and it's <laughs> sort of the morality around um you know how one type of person can can do something and it's seen as acceptable and yet so many mm. others can do it and, it and it's not and I think we've seen that particularly with what's recently happened you know with the capital yeah. in, in America you know with uh, Black Lives Matter you know the protests there and then the Trump supporters storming the capital it's just been thought 2020 was supposed to be a little bit better people <laughs> it's been it's been so so eventful but um Verity thank you so so much for coming on and and talking to us about Banksy like I have really really enjoyed like researching for this uh, podcast and chatting to you it's been so so brilliant and I'm so jealous <laughs> that you actually got to Dismaland one of my big regrets and I, yeah and you know just to doesn't matter just doesn't matter how far away you are just do it you might as well regret doing it than not doing it sort of thing um 
So this is the Joe's Art History Podcast. I do have one sort of final question for you. And you can take this as large or as sort of small and relevant to you as possible. And it's quite a big question. So my, my final one is, why is art important? Hmm. My take is that art is important because of the way that it has that it can impact people's lives. It can inform us about different ways of thinking, different ways of seeing, etc. But I think that art will never be as important as it can be or as impactful as it can be until it is um, accessible for everyone. That's my take. No, and I think that's a really important thing to think about, like how it informs you and makes you think. And even, you know, Banksy's a great example of that. He's someone who uses the power of art to inform and raise awareness. And yeah, that's a really brilliant response. So thank you so, so much. And uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of food for thought there. Well, thank so, you so yeah, much for having me. Thank you so, so much. Um, before you go, where can people find so you and what you're up to? the best place to follow me is on Instagram, which is at Verity Babs Art. And on there, I link to all the other places you can hear from me. I've got a website, uh, which is www.veritybabs.com. And main thing I want to plug is I have a series called Art Laughs on YouTube, where I interview comedians about uh, a piece of art that they like or don't like, as the case may be. Amazing. Um, but yeah, thank you so, so much for coming on and chatting to me. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on. And I'm really excited to see, you know, your Thanks writing so much, and everything in the future. And there you have it, another episode of the Joe's Art History Podcast. Once again, thank you so much to Verity for coming on and speaking so brilliantly about Banksy and really bringing to light five incredible works from this really prolific and important contemporary artist. Also, if you yourself would like to join Verity on her quest to prove that Neil Buchanan is in fact Banksy, do get in touch and let her know. Um, the links to her social channels and her website are in the show notes below. And I think the more people that can help prove this, the better, really. I feel that the world would be a better place if this was the case. If you've enjoyed the episode, please make sure to like, rate and subscribe. And if you're able to, please, can I ask if you can leave a review? It really, really helps other people find the podcast and we're moving very slowly up the charts which means the world to me and it's very very exciting to see the, sort of the lessons grow week on week and it's lovely to have you all here and if you know anybody that you think oh would really enjoy listening to it then let them know and please do pass on the podcast as always if you would like to get in touch you can email me joesarthistory at gmail.com or you can contact me via instagram at joesarthistory my dms are always open and the links to both of those things are as always in the show notes below this episode of the joe's art history podcast is also now available to view on youtube so as you listen along to verity and i talk you can also see the images that we are talking about just if you're a bit more of a visual person and this will help you um, really get a feel for what we're talking about if that doesn't light a fire under you, not a problem. You can view the images via my Instagram page at Joe's Art History or you can find them on my website as always at www.joesarthistory.com. Finally, I have been Joe McLaughlin, your host and resident art historian. And thank you so much for listening to the Joe's Art History podcast. I hope you've learned a little something. I know I definitely have. And I look forward to welcoming you next time on the Joe's Art History Podcast. 
Until then, keep learning and remember, art is for all. Bye.